The Old Testament reading for today is Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. The New Testament reading is Luke 9, 23 through 27. As you know, probably Daniel is a book filled with prophecies concerning the future from his vantage point. He wrote long before Christ was ever born and God revealed to him uh, things concerning uh, the latter days, uh, the time of the coming of Christ and even uh, the end. Daniel 7, 13 through 14 is one of these prophecies. Hear it now. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Let us go now to our New Testament reading and sermon text, Luke 9, 23-27. Here Jesus says, rather, let me start that over again, because that doesn't make sense. Here we read, And He, Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This now the reading of God's holy word. May He bless the preaching of it this morning. In the previous passage, Luke 9:18 through 22, two very important and pivotal things were said. Firstly, The question that has been asked many times now in Luke's Gospel was answered. The question is, who is Jesus? And Peter gave the correct answer when he spoke as the representative of the other apostles and confessed Jesus to be the Christ of God. You are the Christ of God, was the confession that Peter made, and it was true. So Jesus is the Christ, or Messiah, promised from long ago. He is the anointed one of God. Uh, Remember that is what the word Christ or Messiah means. He is the anointed one of God, the great prophet, priest, and king of God's people. He is the eternal Son of God incarnate. That confession made by Peter was important and pivotal in the ministry of Christ, and it is also pivotal in the Gospel of Luke. Secondly, immediately after Peter confessed Jesus to be the Christ of God, Jesus clarified what kind of Christ He would be. He would be a Christ who would suffer, even to the point of death. He would accomplish His messianic mission and win the victory over Satan, sin, and death, not not in a glorious way, but in a very humble way. He would win the victory by enduring suffering, ridicule, abandonment, and death. 
This, you might remember, was, was not the kind of Messiah that people were expecting. They were expecting a great king who would conquer in the way that kings usually conquer. That is to say, with power and in glory. But Jesus would enter into glory, not by exalting Himself over others, but by laying His life down as a sacrifice for many. The multitudes were expecting the Messiah to arrive, but they were not expecting a a Messiah like this. Even Jesus' disciples could not comprehend what He said about His, His suffering and eventual death. It's as if they did not have a category for this in their minds. In fact, the Scriptures say that these truths were concealed or hidden from them. You may see Luke 9.45 or even Luke 18.34 to learn more about this. So the previous passage was pivotal. Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ of God and Jesus clarified what kind of Christ He would be. He would be a suffering servant in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. As we come now to Luke 9, 23-27, we see that Christ had more to say to His followers after Peter's profession. In response to Peter's declaration, You are the Christ of God, Jesus did not only clarify what kind of Christ He would be, He also clearly stated what would be required to follow after Him. He would be a Christ who suffers and accomplishes His victory through suffering. And His disciples would need to be willing to follow Him in this way. In Luke 9.23 we read, And He said to all, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. The words, if anyone would come after Me, mean... If anyone wishes to be a follower of mine, if anyone wishes to be a disciple of mine, here is what you must do. So here we have a kind of broad invitation to be a follower of Jesus, but the invitation, we must note, is not without qualification. You see, there are certain standards to be met, to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. That is a truth that is not stated enough or clearly enough in our day and age. Yes, there is this broad invitation that goes out. If anyone wishes to follow me, if anyone wishes to be a disciple of mine, but notice there are standards to be met. This invitation is not without qualification. Hear the words of Christ again. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To be a follower of Jesus... To have Him as Lord and Savior, we might say. A person must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after Him. What does this mean? Firstly, to follow after Jesus, one must deny himself. To deny is to reject. To deny is to dismiss. And so self-denial is the first requirement that Jesus mentions. If one wishes to be a true disciple of Jesus, they must first deny themselves, stated negatively. No one can be a true disciple of Jesus if they regard themselves as self-righteous and self-sufficient. No one can follow after Jesus if they are self-centered, self-directed, self-powered, self-motivated, and filled with self-love. 
Of course, all of this sounds like utter foolishness to the world, doesn't it? In fact, the world tells us that these are the very things we need to be. (laughs) Uh, We need to have self-motivation. We need to be filled with self-love, says the world. But Christ says, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself. The one who denies himself says, I am not self-righteous, I need a Savior. The one who denies himself says, I am not self-sufficient, I need God to sustain me in every way. The one who has denied himself does not make himself the center of his life, but has God at the very center. He is not self-directed, but looks to God and to His Word to direct His steps. He is not self-powered or self-motivated, but is empowered and moved by God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one who has denied himself does not love himself supremely, but loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and his neighbor as himself, or at least he strives to do these things. To state the matter in another way, to deny oneself is to live no longer for the passions of the flesh and the desires of the body. Here I am using the language of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 2.3. To deny oneself is to live no longer for the passions of the flesh and the desires of the body. It is to live no longer for the world and the pleasures of this world. It is to stop making the gratification of the flesh and the desires of the flesh the motivating factor of one's life. If one wishes to follow after Jesus, he must first deny himself. He must take himself off of the throne of his life and invite Christ to sit there. I think that is a helpful image, isn't it? To deny oneself, one must take himself off of the throne of his life and invite Christ to sit down upon that throne. He must remove himself from the center of the stage of his life and invite God and Christ to take center stage. So you see that to gain Christ, something first must be lost. If anyone would come after me, Christ says, let him deny himself. Secondly, to follow after Jesus, one must take up his cross daily. What does this mean, to take up a cross? A cross, as you know, was an instrument of death, a tool that the Romans used to carry out executions in the day of Jesus. Uh, You and I tend to uh, romanticize the cross, I think, uh, or at least many do in our day and age. The crosses that we display are often clean and pleasant to look at. In reality, the cross was a rough and gruesome instrument of suffering and death. So to take a cross upon your shoulders is to endure suffering To take a cross is to taste death. In a way, the phrase, let him take up his cross daily and follow me, carries the same meaning as the phrase, let him deny himself. To, To take up the cross is to deny yourself. To take up the cross is to die to yourself. To take up the cross is to live no longer for yourself and for the passions of your flesh to gratify its desires, but instead it is to live for the Lord. The image of picking up a cross and carrying it upon your shoulders serves to illustrate the principle that has just been described, the principle of denying yourself. But the command to take up the cross communicates more than this. It reveals that following after Jesus will involve difficulties. 
Jesus' disciples will not be immune from suffering. We will experience all kinds of trials and tribulations of life that are common to all who live in this fallen world. And disciples of Jesus may also be called to suffer, especially on account of their faith in Jesus. And the same may be said regarding death. Disciples of Jesus will, like all men and women, taste death, unless they are alive when the Lord returns. And some disciples of Jesus will die because they are followers of His. To take up the cross is to deny yourself. More than this, to take up the cross is to to submit yourself to suffering and even to death for the sake of Christ. These these demands that Jesus makes, they they are high demands, are they not? Can you feel the weight of it here? If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The Scriptures have a lot to say about suffering as a Christian. I think you know this. Before looking at a couple of important texts, I think it should be clarified that not all Christians suffer always or in the extreme. When we talk about suffering, sometimes that impression can be given that the Christian life will always be suffering and it will always be suffering in the extreme. Of course, that is not true. Indeed, many true followers of Jesus have lived very pleasant lives. Rarely will Christians suffer continually. Relatively few have experienced the extreme form of suffering that is martyrdom, but some have. And it seems clear from the text that is before us today that to follow after Jesus, one must be willing to identify with Him in this suffering. One must be willing to suffer in this way in order to follow after Christ the Lord. Concerning suffering, listen to Romans 8, 16-17. Here the Apostle Paul writes, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we might also be glorified with Him. So Paul teaches that to be a follower of Jesus Christ means that we must identify with Him in His suffering. And it will be in this way that we are invited to enter into glory, the glory that is Christ's even now. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 19-21, another text that talks about suffering. Here Peter says, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, Peter says, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in His steps. So the Christian has Christ as their example. The Christian has been called to this, to identify with Christ in His suffering. The Christian is to deny himself. The Christian is to take up his cross and follow after Christ. We are to imitate our Lord and Savior in this regard. We are to follow in His steps. And listen to Paul again in Romans 5, 3-6. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly." So here Paul reveals that we are even, as Christians, able to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing 
that they are not in vain, but that the Lord uses sufferings in the life of the Christian to bring growth, to bring endurance, to bring character, and ultimately hope. So the Christian is not immune from suffering, but should expect it. The Christian is not immune from suffering, but should be willing to endure it for the sake of Christ, especially. If anyone desires to come after Christ, he must first deny himself and take up his cross and follow after Him. There, there is a common theme found in each of these passages. And it is that when suffering for Christ's sake as disciples of His, we identify with Him in His suffering. And we should not miss this connection. Christ suffered for us and for our, our salvation. And if we are disciples of His, we ought to expect to suffer as He suffered. Jesus took up His cross. And as His disciples, we must bear our cross too. This relationship between Christ's suffering and the suffering of His followers is present within our text. Remember that in Luke 9.22, Jesus revealed what kind of Christ He would be, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Here, He reveals what kind of disciples He will have. They are those who will deny themselves and take up their cross daily, and follow Him. Now I have a few observations to make about this command of Jesus to take up the cross. Each word matters in this command, and so we should notice each word. One, the cross that we as followers of Jesus are called to carry is our cross. The cross that we as followers of Jesus are called to carry is our cross. It is not the cross of Christ that we are called to carry. Furthermore, you are not called to carry my cross, and I am not called to carry your cross. Followers of Jesus are called to carry their own cross. That is to say, the cross that God has ordained for them. Listen again to the command of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Only Christ could bear the cross that God ordained for him. Only Christ could fulfill the terms of the covenant of redemption to live in obedience to God on behalf of the elect and to suffer and die in their place, being raised in victory on the third day. You are not called to carry that cross, for you cannot. And neither are you called to bear the cross that God has ordained for others. Each disciple of Christ must bear the cross ordained for them. You are to take up your cross the text says. And how prone we are to look at the crosses of others and to complain, saying, but theirs looks lighter and smoother and more pleasant than mine. Have you ever struggled with this? Why have I been called to carry such a heavy and rough cross while my brother and sister in Christ, they have been called to carry such a light and and smooth cross? In fact, the cross of your neighbor might be heavier than it appears. You do not know what it is like to bear that cross. You have been called to bear your cross. Theirs might be heavier than it appears, and besides, we must submit ourselves to the perfectly good and infinite wisdom of God that the cross He has crafted for us is just right. The cross that He has for each one of us is perfectly suited to bring Him glory and to bring us good. It is perfectly suited even to refine us. 
It is through the experience, experience of bearing that cross that God has ordained for, for you and for me that we are refined and strengthened. And it is through the experience of bearing the cross that God has ordained for you and for me that, that we will, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, enter into glory. The cross that you are called to take up and bear, it, it is your cross. And to bear it, you must bow yourself low before God and submit yourself to Him. You are to submit yourself to God. You are to take that cross upon your shoulders and you are to entrust yourself to His loving care. Undoubtedly, some who are listening to these words even now are fighting against God and His will for them. Uh, They are tempted to try to cast off their cross. And if this is you, I do encourage you to submit yourself to God. For this is good and right. By faith and in love you must humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That is 1 Peter 5, 6-7. Such an important text. Peter knows the struggles that we have, that we are tempted to fight against God, to bristle at Him, to kick against the goads. Are you familiar with that language um, that is found within the Scriptures? You know, To fight against God. We are so prone to do this, but... The Scriptures call us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Notice Peter also says, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And in the meantime, as we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we are to cast our anxieties upon Him. Because He cares for you, the text says, we must know that He cares for us. By faith, we must know that He cares for us. And that through Bearing the cross that He has ordained for us. He is is bringing about good. He is bringing glory to His name. He is bringing us good as He refines us. Even through the difficulties of life. Even through the sufferings of life. He is refining His people and He is preparing them for glory. I have mentioned glory numerous times in this sermon and it's important to keep in your minds. He is preparing His people for glory Here is another observation concerning the cross that Christ calls His disciples to bear. It is a cross that is to be taken up daily. This cross is a daily cross. As I have said, all men and women will endure the the trial of death unless alive when the Lord returns. And some Christians have been and will be called to bear the cross of martyrdom. But the cross that Jesus calls all of His disciples to bear is a cross that is to be taken up daily. This means that disciples of Jesus are to die to themselves daily. This means that disciples of Jesus are to patiently endure affliction daily while entrusting themselves to God and to Christ. Bearing our cross is to be a way of life for the Christian. This is a daily thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this in in, In some ways, bearing the cross daily can be more difficult than bearing it at the end. You know, I I trust that if God calls any of us to martyrdom, God will strengthen us to endure that moment of testing, that trial. He will give us the courage that we need. He will give us the words to speak. In that moment, He will sustain us, you see. Uh, No doubt, martyrdom is a very difficult thing, but it is a momentary thing that soon passes for those who are called to it. But God calls us to take up this cross and to bear it daily. And I think in some ways this is more difficult, you see. 
Each and every day we must arise and put ourselves to death. Each and every day we must deny ourselves, live not for our own pleasure, but to live for God and to the glory of God. This cross that each of us are called to bear is a daily cross. It is a way of life for the Christian. Finally, disciples of Jesus are not only called to take up their cross, they are also commanded to follow after Jesus. This is a very important observation. Here God is not merely calling us to bear our crosses. He is calling us to take up our cross daily and follow after Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. All men and women will at some point in their lives bear up under sorrow and affliction in a generic way. But disciples of Jesus are to willingly submit themselves to God's will for them. They are to entrust themselves to God's loving care and they are to follow after Jesus. They are to listen to Him and believe His word. They are to strive to obey Him. They are to follow His example and imitate His way of life. So I ask you, Should all men and women be invited to follow after Jesus? Should all men and women be invited to follow after Jesus? The answer is yes. All men and women should be invited to follow after Jesus. Men and women need to be told about God, His perfect creation, man's fall into sin. Men and women need to know that they are sinners who stand guilty before God. They need to hear the good news that God has graciously provided a Savior, Christ the Lord, And that forgiveness of sins comes to all who place their trust in Him. Men and women need to be invited to trust in Jesus and to follow Him. More than this, they should be urged to follow Him. But note this, following after Jesus does come with conditions. To follow after Christ, one must turn from their sins. To follow after Christ, one must deny themselves. To follow after Christ, one must take up their cross daily. There is a sense in which following after Jesus will cost you everything. Following after Jesus will cost you everything. But it is so very worth it. In verses 24, 25, and 26 of Luke 9, Jesus presents three reasons why it is worth it. Why it is worth it to... To lose everything for the sake of following after Jesus. Notice the threefold repetition of the word for. I think you can see it in your, your, your text there that is open before you. Uh, the word for appears uh, three times. And the word for indicates that a reason is about to be given. Here is why you should do this. Here is why you should deny yourself and take up your cross daily and, and follow after me. And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels." So let us now briefly consider each of these three reasons as to why denying ourselves, taking up our crosses, and following after Jesus is worth it. First, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will save it. So what is the meaning of this paradoxical saying of Jesus? 
Here Christ teaches that the one who holds on to their life tightly, the one who insists that they are self-righteous and self-sufficient, living in a self-directed and self-centered way, and for their own pleasure, arrogantly and stubbornly refusing to submit themselves to God and to Christ, this one who saves his life, who, who holds on to his life tightly, will ironically find that he loses his life in the end. But... The one who loses his life for Christ's sake, the one who confesses his need for Christ, trusts in Christ, and submits himself to Christ as Savior and Lord, will find that though he loses his life in the here and the now, he gains his life in the end. Friends, you must understand this. In fact, if you take one thing away from this sermon, I hope it is is this. When Christ calls you to deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow Him daily, when He calls you to lay it all down, it is not so that you might lose, but so that you might gain. When Christ commands you to deny yourself, it is so that you might find yourself. When He commands you to die to yourself daily by taking up your cross daily, it is so that you might truly live. And this reminds me of what Jesus said as recorded in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Who is this thief that he is referring to except the evil one? And may I remind you of the temptation that the evil one brought to Adam and to Eve in the garden in the very beginning. He brought this terrible lie. Live for yourself. Be your own ruler. Be your own God, as it were. Decide for yourself what is right for or wrong. No longer submit yourself to this God. Do not submit yourself to His commandments. He's holding out on you. Take control of it all for yourself. And they believed that lie, and they died. They entered into a state of death, did they not? That is what the thief brings. But what did Christ come to bring? He came to give us life abundant. It is abundant life that Christ offers to His people. It is is abundant life that He gives to us. But to have it, they must first deny themselves, die to themselves, and follow after Him. This, This calling that He brings here to deny oneself and to take up one's cross, it seems so heavy at first, does it not? Until with eyes of faith you see that what Christ Jesus is truly offering you is life abundant in this way. You will come to have life abundant in this way. We will get to this. You will enter into glory. This abundant life of which Christ speaks will be experienced now and in eternity. That Christ has come to give His followers abundant life in eternity should be clear to all. He came to earn the forgiveness of our sins. He came to reconcile us to the Father. He came to give those who trust in Him eternal life in the new heavens and new earth. And so, yes, lay it all down now. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Him now so that you might have life eternal in the new heavens and new earth. That is true. And that is a wonderful offer, is it not? But the abundant life of which Christ speaks is not only a future hope. It is a present gift and reality. Christ does want His disciples to be happy and joyous. But the way to happiness is the way of the cross. And the world will never understand this. But the Christian knows. Do you wish to be happy, friends? Then deny yourself. 
Do you wish to be happy? Then take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Serve God. Serve your neighbor. Conversely, do you wish to be truly miserable? Then live for yourself. Live to fulfill your passions and your desires. Live for the riches and pleasures of this world. Do this and you will find yourself to be a truly miserable person now and for eternity. Friends, paradoxically, the way of the cross is the way of life and joy and peace. I trust that you all have experienced this. Perhaps you've had really bad days. You wake up and without even thinking about it, you make that day all about yourself. This is my day. I have my agenda. Here is what I plan to do to fulfill my desires and my passions. Those days when we wake up with that attitude, they go terribly, don't they? They're awful. But when we arise from bed in the morning and we think first of God and we think of how we can serve others, we find that we are truly joyous. If you haven't experienced this or if you haven't noticed this, I, I, I would ask you to pay attention to this fact. Maybe you're miserable because you're living for yourself. You're living for yourself. Lay it all down. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and see that in this way you will find life abundant. True happiness and true joy, now and for eternity. The second reason why Christ gives, the second reason Christ gives as to why it is worth it to deny yourself and to take up your cross daily and follow him is that it will profit a man nothing to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit himself. So here Christ builds upon his previous statement and begins to direct our attention to the time of the end and the final judgment. It will profit a man nothing to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit himself. The word profit is interesting, I think. It indicates that Christ wants us to do a kind of cost-benefit analysis. I think He wants us to make a good and wise investment and not a foolish one. Only a fool would invest in something if he knows that tomorrow the investment would be lost, you would have to be a fool to invest in something knowing that tomorrow the investment will be lost. And yet, most men and women spend their lives investing in things that will be lost at the moment of death. More than this, most people live in such a way that they themselves will be lost at the moment of death and at the judgment. They will be lost for all eternity. And so here Christ is urging you to make a good and wise investment. If you lose your life now by surrendering it to Jesus Christ, then you will gain it for eternity. Those in Christ will live when they die. They will live abundantly in the blessed presence of God. Those in Christ will not be judged, but will be graciously acquitted on the day of judgment. Those in Christ will not be punished, but will live forever and ever in the blessed presence of God in the new heavens and earth. To lay down your life and to take up your cross and follow Jesus today is the best investment you can possibly make. And it is a sure investment, for it is guaranteed by Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen and ascended one. The third reason Christ gives as to why it is worth it to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Him is found in these words, 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And here Christ builds upon the previous two statements. He directs our attention to the glory that will be his after his work of redemption is accomplished. When Christ came for the first time, he suffered and died. But it was through his suffering and death that he was raised to glory. Do you see it? It was through His suffering and death, it was through the cross, His bearing of the cross that God had decreed for Him, that He entered into glory. It was through the cross that the Son of Man entered into glory. He lived, He died, was buried, and raised again. And then, 40 days later, He ascended. Where did He ascend? Except into glory. He ascended to heaven, into the very presence of the God of glory, And He sat down on His glorious throne. He rules and reigns there even now. And when Christ, the Son of Man, comes again, it will not be to suffer and die. He will come back in a very different way, in a very different manner. When He returns, He will return in glory and with the power to judge. The prophecy of Daniel 7 that was read at the beginning of the sermon to speak of the glory that belongs to the Messiah, the eternal Son of God incarnate, the Son of Man. I want you to hear it again. Daniel saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, that is before God Himself, and was presented before Him, and to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. I'm sure you notice the title that Christ has chosen for Himself in the passage that is open before us today. He calls Himself the Son of Man. It is because He wants us to remember this text in Daniel chapter 7, that though He came humbly, though He came to accomplish our redemption by suffering, by being rejected by men, and even by dying. This is how He accomplished our redemption. This is how He won the victory. He is the Son of Man of Daniel 7. It is through this suffering that He has entered into glory, and it is in this glory that He will return. When Christ, the Son of Man, returns, He will return in glory to judge and to rule all things in heaven and earth forever and ever. The question is this, will the Son of Man welcome you into His glorious kingdom when He returns, or will He be ashamed of you? Listen to the words of Jesus again, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when He comes in His glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And so here we have yet another reason why you would be most wise to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. You see, to welcome Christ now, to identify with Christ the suffering servant, and to have Him as your Lord and Savior now, will mean that He welcomes you into His glorious kingdom on the day of His glorious return. But to deny Him now, to deny Him in this life, and to refuse to identify with Christ the suffering servant, will mean that He denies you on the last day. You will not enter into His glory, but you will enter into judgment and condemnation. Christ then concludes by saying, But I tell you truly, 
There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This, this verse here has perplexed uh, many. Uh, what, what is Jesus talking about here? Uh, does He mean that He's going to return in glory as the Son of Man before some of these men who are hearing His words uh, die? I, I think not. Uh, in fact, the most natural way to take this passage is as a reference to the event that is recorded for us in the next passage in Luke's Gospel, that is to say, the Transfiguration. In that event, in the event of the Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John go up with Jesus onto a high mountain, and they are given a glimpse and foretaste of the glory that was soon to be Christ's, and the glory of His eternal kingdom. Christ came humbly. He came to suffer. He looked like an ordinary man to His disciples in His incarnation. He suffered. He was ridiculed. He was betrayed. He died. He was put into the grave. But Peter, James, and John were given in this moment a little bit of a glimpse, a foretaste of the glory that would be Christ's upon His resurrection and ascension to the Father's right hand and certainly a glimpse and foretaste of the glory that will be His forever and ever in His glorious and eternal kingdom. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us to see what Christ requires for us to follow Him, to be disciples of His. Help us to understand these requirements and give us the grace, O Lord, to do what Christ has commanded, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow after Him. Lord, give us this grace. Give us this insight that is needed, this wisdom, to see that in this way we will have life abundant. In this way we will enter into glory. God, I pray that you would purify us further as your people, that you would help us to daily and even momentarily live self-sacrificial lives, that we would not live for ourselves and for our own passions and pleasures, that we would not live for the things of this world so foolishly, but that we would live for the glory of God, that we would live for the glory of Christ, and that we would live for the good of our fellow man. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, and enable us to live in this way. God, give us true happiness and joy and contentment in Christ Jesus. For in Him we know that we are rich. We pray these things in His precious name. And all of God's people say,